for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8, or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, Positively Different Radio in the morning. And a special shout out this morning for all those listening in Woodford, Queensland on 87.6, Seaforth in South Australia on 87.8, and Lake Macquarie in New South Wales on 87.6. Mm. Give us a shout. Give us a shout. Give, let us know if you are listening on one of those transmitters this morning. Shout out Lake Macquarie. Yeah, I was going to say that's Lake where Macquarie. I live. That, that's, that is my place of residence. That's that's your transmitter right mm-hmm. there. That is my city. That is my hood. Do, that, you, ever, do, you, ever, do you ever listen to your show? Do I? Um, well, can I? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're homesick or something but, like that. But is that like... No, but then it wouldn't be my show. If I was homesick, then... You know, uh, I'm away. So if I listen, see, like is, it's, it's, he only owns the show if he's here. That's I, right. I see how this imagine, works. imagine, imagine if I'm like every night, like before I go to bed. Hey, I'm going to listen to what I said this morning. You know, just to just that would actually be a good thing to do. Well, pe- hard, rough, but good. Potentially from a self improvement, but yes. on the other side, it can be incredibly just like narcissistic. True that as well. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, I'm I, I'm a bit I'm a bit shaky on on listening to my own. Shows. Yeah, I got to be honest. Listening to yourself, listening to recordings of yourself is one of the most traumatic things I think a person can actually do. <laughs> but also really, really beneficial from a self improvement <laughs> so perspective. True. Something that I certainly don't do enough of, mm. which is probably why I haven't improved more than what I have. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And you're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, and we're about to have the first question for our quiz. You can get your name in the hat to win an amazing prize mm. of Journeys of Faith, a collection, a small mm. library here of uh, stories of Journeys of Faith, which we are featuring stories all this week. Correct. Well, let's have a question for the quiz. Our first one. Which Old Testament prophet is known as the weeping prophet? Who was really sad and was a prophet? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win the man who couldn't be killed, the French pilot and the richest caveman. This, like the one, the man who couldn't be killed, just the cover of it. You know, you've got the star here, like just, well, this is... Specifically, a story from the People's Revolution of China when yes. they, you know, everything was being overthrown for for communism's sake, and Christianity was being massively persecuted. But this person was strong in their faith. And it's interesting. The research that's coming out now is showing that China is Chinese people are suffering the worst persecution that they have suffered since that era. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Right now. Well. So. Things are going backwards, big time. 0491 Which Old Testament prophet is known as the weeping prophet? If you want any terms and conditions, you can head to our website, faithfm.com.au, and you get all the T's and C's for our quiz. I have a couple of, uh, couple of, you know, personal good news things to share. Shout out my dad. Uh, because we said, hey, if you're listening in Lake Macquarie, text in, you text in, I'm listening. So shout out. Ah, there shout you go. Out, shout out me, Dad. Shout out Lake Macquarie for just being Put awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, good job. Secondarily, just before the show started, uh, Lyle asked me, Lawson, are you okay? And 
And I was kind of perplexed. Well, yeah, because Lawson was laying on the floor. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, face, yeah down, I, I, face down on the floor, flat as a tack. And I'm thinking, that's, okay, I'm that's right. Well, by myself this morning. Well, firstly, I was surprised. Like, Lyle cares about my well-being. Like, what? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to do the. I don't want to do the show by myself. That's hard work. <laughs> But secondarily, um, yes, Lyle, I, I did. I, you said, are you okay? And I just said, yes. But yes, Lyle, I am okay. Because the reason I was laying on the floor is because I was stretching out my elbow muscles because I did a workout yesterday and I'm super sore, but it feels that's, good. That, that's awesome. It feels so I'm good. I'm so glad you're like, sore. It is it is, you know, the initial feeling of like I when love you your pain. when you do like an, like a really intense workout and you're like real wobbly after, especially for me at the moment in my uh-huh, legs because that's uh-huh. what I was doing. I'm, I'm doing a lot of like rehab for my ankle, yes, and so you know just lots of like leg and ankle stuff, um, and you feel a bit wobbly. I actually like that feeling, like when you're like oh weak and it's like you're a bit wobbly. You feel like you've done something, but then it's like you know you do as much stretching as you can. Be like I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and this wobbly jelliness is going to turn into extreme pain. Um, Luckily, my pain hasn't been too extreme. I'm like pretty decently okay. But yeah, that being said, it's just... Yeah, a little bit, a little bit wobbly, a little bit, a little bit painful this morning, but it, it feels good. It's like, yes, this is awesome. But hey, that being said, let's have a look at some more positively different news. Okay, and bring it on. In particular, uh, actually, this story has in its like title. You know, when you're like reading articles, got like a picture associated. It says, "Good news is coming." So when I saw that, okay, I was like, positively I was news. immediately attracted this to is, it. And this is a story for us to cover. And this is positive news because shout out all of my uni students slash researchers slash people who are interested in all kinds of topics because the White House in the United States has ruled that any scientific research that includes any pieces of research that are state funded mm-hmm. so that they've actually expanded the meaning of scientific research so they're talking about any like peer-reviewed articles chapters in books um, proceedings in conferences any of it that includes state funded research has to be free has to be freely accessible freely ex- okay I now yep. now this uh-huh. is the thing has to be freely accessible now to those in you know in the in the world of, of research in the world of science in the world of academia know that being blocked out of reading textbooks or books or research or whatever it is on your local we're well, not blocked out you just gotta buy it that's right well that's the thing that that's the paywall but the government is saying if we paid for it you can have it that's right if we pay for it and then someone uses that particular research in their findings it, you know in their article journey whatever they have to pay for it. Like, sorry, they don't have to pay they for it. Yes. We don't have to pay for it. They have to pay for it. This is fantastic. This is this is this is awesome for me, the poor student. The who, poor student. Who who like wants to access a textbook that might like an online textbook or article that might cost two hundred bucks. You know, that's yes. that's the way it goes. It's like, hey, there's you know, all of these all of these different articles. Okay, so but then then I'm just gonna do a challenge on this one mm-hmm. for a little bit, but at some point you're going to cease to be a poor student mm-hmm. and you're gonna have a degree. Uh-huh. But you're unable to make money out of that degree because you have to give all of your research away for free. But this is the thing. This is the thing, La. Um it should be the responsibility of the university or the your employer 
who is enabling you to do the research to pay you. True, absolutely, no question. But the question is, if you've done all the hard work and you've got there, should you be able to make some money about that as well? Yeah, should you be able to monetize it? Now, this is this is a, a conversation that they're still having regarding the bill uh, mm. because they've, they've pushed it through and they're saying, yep, this is good. And I feel like within the context of, of say, university or company like or a private entity publishing a you know, a particular outcome or research that is so helpful and groundbreaking and whatnot. Like as a result of that research, like people should be able to earn money. But I think it's... So if you you do your degree, right? So let's say uh you do your degree Uh and then you write a book. Mm. So let's say that you do a PhD after you've finished your degree, you do a PhD. And as a result of that, you've got like, this is a great thesis I've written right here. Mm -hmm. It's got a bunch of cutting edge... Uh, research in it that the world has never seen before and so I'm going to write a book. Does that mean that the government then owns that book and you don't get to sell it? They're just going to make it like, oh, here's a free book, everyone, that you've put all the hard work into. And let's say that you write it on your own time. So mm. let's say that you're still working here at Faith FM Radio, but in your own time you go away, go aside and write a book. And it's like Dr. Dr. Lawson Walters um, writing on the subject of da, 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 and it is published does that mean that you don't get any, didn't make any money out of that? I'm, I've got questions here. That, these are good questions. Now, at the moment, as they're rolling this out, there is still in place a 12-month month optional embargo. So you can sell your book for a period of time. So here's my question, though. Will this actually kill people's motivation to write books and mm. to publish their research if they can't monetize it, and will that actually have the opposite effect of there being less information available than more? You know what? I'm just thinking. You know, yes. I've, I read this story this morning. I read through it, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is fantastic!" Because yeah, for a student, it's for a student, awesome. it's awesome. Oh, and for someone like me who doesn't write books, that's amazing. And but now I'm thinking, and you're getting my gears turning. Well, this, you know, this is story. See, I mean, we haven't read the legislation, so we don't know. That's but. right. But I, I'm thinking. I'm like. Would this de-incentivize, uh, would it either incentivize or de-incentivize private uh, research? Because, okay, so mm. if you say that, if you say that all the research, that if you do research privately, but then it's based on publicly state-funded research, that means that your outcomes or like, you know, yes. your p- paper or whatever it needs to be, yes. needs to be free... Well then, okay. It's going to drive the it's going to drive the private sector. It's going to either drive the private sector to do more private research, mm-hmm. which they would get paid for, mm-hmm. and there would be more money in, and potentially people would trust. But then simultaneously, it's like, or everyone goes into the public system where it is that the access to the information is free because you're getting paid by the government to do the research. One of these with one of these will be the result. That's right. So, but then it's like if all of our research is government funded, and government funded research needs to be approved, then there's a bit of a conspiracy there, Lyle. Yes, because if government funded research needs to be approved who, by the he government, he who pays for the research gets the results that they want. Yeah. You oh. know, whenever you whenever you're looking at research, you've also always got to look at who's paying for it. Man, now the question is, is this good news? 
which it was we very much out. marketing itself as. Hey, give us a call. 0491-064-669. Government controlling research because they're cutting people's ability to be able to monetize it. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Or text let us know your thoughts. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into some more serious news, but before we do, we have another question for our quiz. How many of Jacob's sons first went to buy corn? 0491. Well, they went to buy lots of things, I think. It just says buy corn. I think they bought grain. Grain. Why not? It certainly wasn't sweet corn. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was not what it was because they didn't have that in Egypt at that particular time in history. But again, that question is how many of Jacob's sons, they went to buy stuff from Egypt. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. Again, we have our amazing biographical, incredible books, historical as well. You know, we have like history that's relatively... I would say relatively modern, the richest caveman, the, the Doug Batchelor. Yeah, story. Doug Batchelor, he's still alive, still going. The the man who wrong. couldn't be killed. We're talking about the People's Republic of China. Yes, you know, revolution, revolution. So that was Re- revolution uh, era, early story. in the twentieth century, uh, and then the French pilot, the seventeenth century. Yes. So all of these within the realm of modern history, but yeah, definitely a little bit of late medieval with late, uh, the French yeah, pilot for sure. But. Yes. What what I can say about these books is that they're they're incredible, and you need to read them. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Again, that question was: How many of Jacob's sons first went to buy grain or corn or whatever it is that they bought from Egypt? All right, fantastic story coming up right here from Israel, where Mm -hmm. archaeologists have unearthed some ivory in Jerusalem. Oh wow! Okay, so these were a bunch of uh, small pieces of ivory. Ivory tends to get smashed up relatively easily. Yeah, sure. And so they had all these smashed up pieces of ivory and they were like, you know what, can can we put these together like a jigsaw puzzle? And so they did. And these were among the ru- ruins of a palatial building. Mm. So the question is, was this King Solomon's palace? Mm. And the reason they asked this question is because this ivory dates from the era of King Solomon's reign. Oh, wow. So the first temple period, so from the time of uh, from the time of King David, where and, and Solomon, where Israel was at the height of its power, through until the Babylonian invasion by mm. Nebuchadnezzar, it comes within, it falls within that range, that date range, and it's the ruins of a building that was destroyed by the Babylonians mm-hmm. in 586 BC when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem, and it's like, well, what is what is this building? What is this? You know, this was a very palace-like building with ivory in it. Mm. Okay, so they've been joining and fusing hundreds of these fragments together, and it's the first time that decorative ivories have ever been found in Jerusalem. Uh, The plaques there would have been inlaid in wooden furnishings, so what they've been able to do is to compare these with other similar plaques from other places around the world, and they found that these... Uh, they've got similar plaques on the pa- uh, from the palace of the Assyrian king Sennacherib in Nineveh, mm. and that they were part of furniture inlays within chairs or couches. Mm. But these were, you know, like very, very special chairs or couches. Um, the archaeologists have concluded these ivory plaques from Jerusalem were originally inlaid into a couch throne. Mm. and situated on the second floor of an opulent 
structure. Wow. Now, the reason that is particularly interesting is because what it says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 18, uh, the Bible says, Then the king made a great throne covered with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. Now, that's Whoa. interesting. Whoa. That's interesting. Uh-huh. The Bible says that Solomon made himself an ivory throne. Uh-huh. Here you have ivory from an opulent mm. palace-like building mm-hmm. that comes from a chair of some description, and it dates to the right period. Now, the challenge to this could be like, oh, well, don't people have ivory? And the point is no. like, No, ivory was, ivory was incredibly so rare. rare, particularly in this part of the world. It was more valuable than gold. Yeah. It was, it was something that only royalty had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prophet Amos said this, speaking about the kings of Judah, he said, you lie on a bed adorned with ivory and a, and a lounge on your and lounge on your couches. Mm. So you've got a couple of references here to the fact that the kings of Judah had at least one ivory throne that had gone down through several generations. Wow. And here you found a palace. How many how many buildings, how many opulent buildings like this are you going to find in a city like Jerusalem? They've found that kind of a building and they have found the remnants of a chair in that building made out of ivory. Wow. That's pretty cool. All right, so uh, that'll get your imagination running. Um, to another subject, and this one's a little bit disturbing. Because this is a survey of pastors. Mm. And the question here is, and the question that they're really looking for is, you know, how many pastors believe the Bible? Mm. Or how many of them are just atheists? How many of them are frauds? Oh, the, these stories always make me cringe. How many of these guys should even be in ministry? Mm. How many of them have lost their faith and are just still doing what they're doing because it's kind of like, well, that's what we do. And when the situation affords it, they... They go down that route, like definitely, like they in terms of revealing the the fact that they don't believe. I think particularly of like the head chaplain at Harvard, who's like an atheist. That's right, and it's like, oh, he can get away with it because he's the head chaplain at Harvard, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, yeah, you're an atheist, sweet, you know. Whereas like a pastor could very well have the same opinion, but you know, not be able to disclose. Yeah, change your name, change your title. Don't call yourself a chaplain if you're an atheist. Call yourself a student support counselor mm. or whatever it might be. That's right. But anyway, be there as it may, they have found that... Okay, so the popular idea amongst uh, the secular world is that uh, when it comes to salvation, it's like, well, you know, when I die, if if God exists, I've been a good person. Mm. Okay, so you go to court for a crime Mm -hmm. and you stand up in front of the judge and you say, look, I'm a good person. I've only done one thing wrong in my life. Mm-hmm. The judge is going to say, look, I'm not here to judge you for all of the good days of your life. I'm here to judge you in, in, in relationship to that one bad day. Mm-hmm. And for that one bad day, you might be going to prison. Yeah, that's, so that's not how judgment works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it just doesn't. And so we have all done bad things and we all need to recognize mm-hmm. that we have all done bad things We've all and sinned. that you can't get to heaven based on having done enough good things. Mm-hmm. A third of pastors believe you can. Oof. One third. And this this is something on which the Bible is really super clear. Well, how is the question phrased? That's my. It's a good. It's a good question. I don't have a copy of the questions. With mm-hmm. This is a survey done by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Um, a third of pastors say that being a good person can get you into heaven. 
Um, a A third of pastors believe the following. The Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's power rather than a living entity. That's a third of pastors. Mm -hmm. Moral truth is subjective. In other words, there's your truth, there's my truth, there's everybody else's truth. Kind of like there's been a major redefinition of the word truth in the last 30 years Mm -hmm. where truth is no longer truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you've got a third of pastors believe that sexual relationships between two unmarried people who love each other, that's morally acceptable. Okay, now... It's fine for you to believe these things. I have no problem if you choose to believe these things, right? Mm. But don't believe these things and call yourself a Christian because yeah. when you come into the realm of Christianity, you accept you you accept the Bible as your rule of faith and practice. Mm. So if you're going to accept the Bible as your rule of faith and practice, then do so. Yeah. And you and you can And if you're not going to accept it, fine. And don't. you don't can only call yourself a Christian if you do that. Like, you yeah. can think like, oh, well, maybe I could... Do it. It's like, no, that's not how Christianity works. If you don't want to do that, but you want to identify as, you know, call yourself a spiritual person. Yes. Like, like that's fine. There are lots of people who are that's spiritual right. and they... Or a Buddhist. You can call yourself a Buddhist and believe these things. Yeah, but Christianity, like, the the, the name Christianity is associated with someone who believes and takes seriously the words of the Christian Bible. A third of pastors believe that socialism is preferable to capitalism. Interesting. Um, a third of pastors believe that the Bible is ambiguous when it comes to abortion. Wow. Mm. Where do they get that from? Um, <laughs> and this one is really wild. Third of, mm. Around about a third of pastors believe that reincarnation is a very real possibility. What? Yes. <laughs> See, I've been reading through the first the first few of this this survey, and I, I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of pastors out there that are atheists. They have lost their connection with God. They don't actually really believe in the existence of God. Mm. They're just like, this is a good job where I get to do good things in the community. Mm. Uh, and then I came to this one, and it's like, okay, if you're going to believe in reincarnation, you have to believe in the supernatural. Mm. You can't believe in reincarnation without believing in the supernatural. So I'm like, okay, but they do, because initially I'm thinking these are a group of pastors that don't believe in the supernatural. Mm. And I'm like, but they do believe in the supernatural, so, but they don't believe in the Bible. Why are you calling yourself a Christian? It just reminds me of that verse where it's like, you know, in the end times people won't endure sound doctrine. And it also reminds me of that verse that talks about the end of time. It says, Babylon is full and come out of her, my people. <laughs> yeah. uh, they found that this loss of biblical belief is prevalent among pastors of all denominational groupings. So that was across the board. Mm. That's a little bit worrying, uh, particularly, you know, for, well, anybody who calls himself a Christian and goes to church. Does your pastor really believe the truth? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Jennifer Skews. But before we go to Jennifer, we are going to have another question for our quiz. Lawson. Another question for the quiz. Fill in the blanks. If we blank our sins, he is faithful and just to blank our sins. Okay. What word precedes... What two words precede? Our sins. Yeah, that's right. If we blank our sins, he is faithful and just to blank our sins. 0491 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer to that one, you will go into the draw to win three amazing biograph- biographical books about awesome journeys of faith, The Man Who Couldn't Be Killed, The French Pilot, 
and the richest caveman. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And again, that question was, if we blank our sins, he is faithful and just to blank our sins. Okay, you could actually answer that by leaving that last blank in there and just say blank. It wouldn't be theologically incorrect. Well, it would not be hints. It would not stop be correct for the answer, but it would be theologically correct. That's right. Yes. That's right. All right, well, Johnny's on the phone this morning. Actually, before we, we go to Jennifer, I need to mention that we've been doing a uh, Journey of Faith series with Owen Shaw this week. Mm. We're going to take a break today, but Owen Shaw will be back tomorrow and the next day to continue his story, to complete uh, as much of his story as we were able to record. Uh, and To get the complete story, you're going to have to wait for the book, but we are taking a break in the middle of Owen Shaw's story to welcome Jennifer Skews to the show. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a beautiful day up here. I hope it is down there. The sun is shining. Yes. (laughs) Fantastic. And, of course, you're up on the uh, North New South Wales-Queensland border. I am, and uh, we're having some beautiful weather, thank goodness. Ah, that's wonderful. And, you know, I'm told that this nice weather that we have, bright sunshine and so forth, is good Mm -hmm. for our emotional health, particularly if we get out and get amongst it. Absolutely. It uh, lifts the spirit, you know, when we have sunshine, but there's also a physiological component to that where when we go and have a sun bath, and I recommend a good 10, 15 minutes or more if you can, uh, particularly earlier in the day, um, it actually stimulates a chemical under the skin that causes relaxation. Um, And interestingly, women have more of that chemical than men, but we both benefit. So sitting out and relaxing, and that is not reading a book or doing anything, just sitting, doing some breathing, uh, and, uh, you know, I find talking to God, praying, just thinking of good things, enjoying nature around me, and you just get such a good recharge because your whole body relaxes. So it's very powerful. I find if I do that, if I sit on my front porch or whatever in the direct sunlight, I can be just, you know, out, gone, yeah, that's no it. time at all. <laughs> That's it, and that's total relaxation. So the sun has, and that's only just one benefit of the sun. Of course, there's others like vitamin D, and there's all sorts of benefits, but certainly not getting burned and sitting in super hot sun, but using it earlier in the day or later in the day. Definitely improves the mood and uplifts the spirit. And, and for a reasonable amount of time. Oh, absolutely. Not You know, then, you're going to be out there for hours and hours. That's it, and... What happens, like if you're in a garden or you're outside doing things, you're getting good sunlight um, and it's free. It's something nobody can stop. So it's something that we can have that really makes a big difference to our health and we're fortunate to live in a country where we do get good sun. And I've heard also, and you might may or may not be able to confirm this and it may or may not be true, but uh, I've heard that it lowers your blood pressure as well. So if you're dealing with high blood pressure, it can give you a little bit of a break from high blood pressure to be sitting in the sun for a while? Well, it makes sense when you look at the capacity for the sun to stimulate the relaxation factor in the body. Of course your blood pressure is going to come down. Everything's going to balance out. It's one of those balances that helps to... um, cause that body balance that we so desperately need and it stops us from rushing all the time and and it it doesn't take a long time as you know like you said it doesn't take you long to suddenly that's it you're really relaxed down it's wonderful 
Okay, so there'd be people who listen to our show as they're travelling to work. There'd be people who listen mm-hmm. to our show in workshops and so forth. A lot of people these days spend their working day under a roof. Mm-hmm. You're talking about 10, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. I guess the suggestion then would be come smoko time, go and sit That's outside it. in the sun for 10 minutes. That's it. And, uh, and you, when you have a break, find a sunny spot. And I find even just driving and in the car and you've got the sun coming in, you can feel your body relaxing more. But mm-hmm. certainly having that passive sunlight and it doesn't take a long time. Um, and I suggest several times a day, particularly if you're inside a lot, um, just having that 10, 15 minutes, um, it, it's great. It's a, it's a great health pick-me-up. All right, listeners, particularly if you are listening anywhere between Newcastle and, say, the Gold Coast, it seems. Uh, yep. Well, in those, at least in those two locations, we've got a beautiful sunny morning. Get out there amongst it and make mm-hmm. the most of it. Uh, yes. Looks like with El Nino, we're going to be getting plenty of rain this year, so let's make the most of the sun when it is there. Yes, at least we get breaks and sunshine. might get rain, but we seem to be getting breaks, which is wonderful. I've heard that there's research that shows there's higher suicide rates in regions of the earth that have gloomier weather. There is, um, and it's interesting because they've done uh, studies uh, that I've looked at, earlier studies, and in those countries like Russia and places like that where they get minimum sunlight, they find that people get very depressed. It's called the sad effect, seasonal affective disorder. Um, And to combat it, they did a study and found if you put those people under a sun lamp two to three times a week, it it helps, it stops the depression because they, it gets the UV and what they need. It sort of mimics sunlight, but apparently it will make a big difference to their mood. Okay, so, so basically it's, artificial it's, sunlight, a, a lamp that creates the same kind of light that we get from the sun. Yes. Uh, yes. That's, that's really it's, interesting. It'd be particularly, I think it would be particularly useful for people who are living at the extremes of the planet where you have... You know, say, yes. for instance, Antarctica or up in the Arctic Circle mm-hmm. where you've got very long winters. I mean, hey, yes. during summertime, you'd have, I guess, plenty of sunshine. But you do. Yeah. those long winters would be a bit of a struggle. Well, this is where they're finding ways that you can actually uh, improve the mood and the well-being, even though it is artificially, but it's certainly better than not at all. Mm. But, hmm. Fascinating stuff. I don't know whether I don't know whether this was what you were planning to talk about, but when you mentioned the beautiful weather up there, I'm like, I've just got to mention this because this is stuff that I've heard from time to time, and we need to know about the benefits we can get from sunlight. Oh yeah, well it's one of the things because I'm looking at general health and well-being, and there are multiple ways of doing it. And what you've brought up is one main factor that I would have brought up anyway because it is essential. Mm. Um, and it, even for the eyes, we need that sunlight. So if you wear glasses and you have that time in the sun, take them off and allow the sun, close your eyes and allow the sun to come right onto the eyelids and the face because that will help. So it's just little things like that that can make a big difference to our well-being. Mm. So I sort of, uh, yeah, so there's a lot that we can do. So here's another question then along those lines. Why, why is it that when we are feeling depressed – that we close mm-hmm. the curtains. I mean, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. Why do we? Why does the depressed person do the the opposite of what they should be doing? What's what's happening there? Well, the depressed person wants to shut the world out, wants to shut everything out, and also with depression, it hits the senses and it actually can oversensitize the senses. So that means light 
which we would normally, when we're feeling well, we love the light. But when you're depressed, the sensitivity of sight is oversensitized and it's like it becomes too sharp, too direct. So as well as they want to isolate, they want to shut the world out um, because they are so miserable and depressed. And so they'll shut the curtains. And the other thing they do is do what we call doona therapy. They spend all their time in bed or under the doona, so to speak, just to shut everything out. Mm. Um, it in fact, obviously, it makes it worse, not better. But when they're in that mode, they can't rationalise that. And this is one of the one of the challenges, as you're saying, it makes it worse, not better. And so there are a number of things that the human mind, the body decides to do to itself that actually creates a vicious cycle, makes it, it does. yeah, and, and, and drags the person down. Yeah, so one of those yeah. things that we've got to be very aware of, I guess, uh, when we're feeling depressed is like, okay, what can I do that's going to be uncomfortable and I don't want to do, but that will help me to break this cycle? Yes. So maybe not just closing the curtains and shutting all the light out, but moderate the light so you can tolerate it. Uh, the other thing with depression is first thing in the morning getting people to get up and have a... It doesn't have to be a long walk, but get outside, take in some fresh air, do some deep breathing and walk. And those people I work with where in their recovery phase find that they just... It picks them up. They say, when I come back, I feel so much better. Whereas if they stay and close the curtains and go back to bed, then um, they don't... They feel worse. Mm. So it's helping them... This is where exercise is such a powerful factor in recovery from any of these disorders. So it's getting people motivated and seeing the benefits of it. And just anecdotally, I'm not somebody who suffers from depression. You know, I've been sad, mm. sad for you know periods of time and that, uh, mm. on various occasions, but I've never suffered from clinical depression or anything like that. But yeah. just, just from my own personal experience, what I find, and I enjoy walking as a form of exercise, I find yeah. that if I walk early in the morning, you know, I'm walking yeah. before the sun comes up, I'm getting that early morning light, I just feel so much happier for the day, so much more positive for the day. You know, you're, watch, you're walking down the road, you're watching the sun come up, you're watching the colours change, you're listening to the birds come to life. You know, I, 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 enjoy that, I enjoy that in the evening, but it doesn't give me the same level of benefit yeah. in the evening as it does in the morning. Well, you have a look at the sun. I find in the morning, even if I'm inside and that sun comes up, the energy is amazing. You just want to go out into it because it actually is an awakening of that energy in the morning when the sun starts coming up, whereas at night the sun is setting, so that energy is going down. So that's even though sunsets are beautiful and uplifting on the spirit, but as far as energy goes, your sun's going down. I mean, that's when we're meant to go to bed, when it's dark, which people don't do. And that leads us into insomnia then. People can have insomnia. But it's, mm. um, yeah, so and this, it, is one of, lot- this is one of the benefits for Australians who live on the East Coast is yeah. that many of us have that opportunity to be able to watch the sun come up over the ocean. I mean, can you get a better form of yeah. exercise than walking on the beach, watching the sun come up? That's yeah. going to be like one of the best experiences ever. It is, and I encourage people when I'm working with people, particularly with depression, is setting goals, a a small goal we're willing to do. And if it's once or twice a week, that's okay, because when they do it, it's so good, it picks them up that they want to keep doing it. Mm. So it's getting them to break that procrastination cycle and sitting in their depression and committing, because feelings can never stop you. 
it's not the feeling that stops you. It's it's the will, which is what we've been talking about. You you don't have a your willpower doesn't function well when you're depressed and down and shutting everything out. So it's helping them and to stop to get motivated. You have to take action. Motivation will not come without taking action. So it's not about feeling like doing it. It's about committing to doing it, and that's where you put the will in action. So that's one of the challenges with people who are not well. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea of setting achievable goals. You know, can I do this once a week? Can I do this twice a week? And and for our listener, I think that, you know, if you're somebody who struggles with depression, stop and ask yourself, when can I do this? How can I do this? Yep. You know, I just looking and, at the example of, of walking on the beach, for instance, you, you've not just got that sunlight that we've been talking about, which is so effective for uh, mm. dealing with depression, but you've got sound because you've got yeah. the sounds of nature, you've got the sounds of the ocean, you've got yeah. smell, you've got that salt that salt smell in the air, which is always invigorating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got you've got the feel of the sand, the feel of the wind, because there's always a little bit of breeze when you're down at the beach. There's a there's a yes. lot of there's a lot. I mean, and hey, you, you you do the same thing walking through a park or even just walking down the street. Uh, yes. The street's not as good for sure, but yeah. these all this have is, a bunch of positive benefits. Oh, it does because this is where now you're doing an outward focus, not an inward focus, and this is that experience is what we call mindful, and it's an experience where you're in the present moment and all of the senses are being activated. And that's what I find with the sunrise. You can feel the senses and things waking up. And that means you're engaging sight, sound, touch, taste, smell generally in those experiences. And that is what gives us good health and it's in the moment. So it's, um, yeah, and like I said, just set your goal to do it once a week. You don't over set your goals if you can do it twice a week it's much better three times a week do it daily that's the aim but it's finding that starting point to get people motivated um and it works really well once people get motivated they want to keep doing it yeah fantastic stuff jennifer i'm not sure whether this is what uh the 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 plan was to talk about today but it's definitely where the conversation went and i'm so glad that it did uh we can keep going with uh, it's in the area I'm working towards, so that's fine. It adds into what I was, some of what I want to do. Fantastic yeah. stuff! Thank you so much for joining us again. Always enjoy what you have to share with us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.